This episode is presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have multi-talented actor, singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur, Ro Timi, who is known for his role as Darius Morrison on my favorite show, the Stars hit series, Boss, and it's Andre Coleman on Power. Coming up, I'll talk to Rotimi about growing up with Nigerian parents in Maplewood, New Jersey, how he developed his power character, Dre, and what he learned firsthand from superstar mentors, Jay-Z and Jamie Foxx. Up next, Rotimi. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating, refer a friend, a coworker, a family member, allow them to get what you're getting, this good old-fashioned soul food. This week's theme is there is power in lifting others. If you hadn't heard, August is Black Business Month, and I've been thinking a lot about the next generation of leaders in my community. This past weekend was the 12th annual Jalen Rose Leadership Academy Celebrity Golf Outing and Classic. Being the founder of a tuition-free open enrollment public charter high school, it's imperative that I thank all of our sponsors, our board members, our staff, our scholars, our celebrities, our friends, everybody that supported the efforts of us trying to change lives at a school that had a 100% graduation rate this past year. We have a 97% matriculation rate in college. And I'll just tell you firsthand, to be honest, the hardest thing to do is to fundraise for teenage inner city kids. And let me tell you why. Because society doesn't see us as cute and cuddly anymore when we get like 15, 16, and 17. You know why? We've been exposed to life and their young minds are put in a position to decompress all of this and still pursue their goals, still pursue their dreams. That's why I wanted JRLA to be a nine through 16 model. I feel the eight most important years of a young person's life is the four that they're in high school and the four that they could be in college or secondary education. You ask any adult where their goals or dreams went awry, and it's usually during that eight-year period when they didn't sacrifice, when they weren't disciplined enough. That's why this week's theme is so important to me, because there is power in uplifting others. And I'm so very thankful for everyone who came out. But at the end of the day, all of this is truly for the students, the young people who are going to be the next change makers, the next politicians, the next leaders of every industry. We rise 
by lifting others. And as you are on your own path, there's a way to plant the seeds of greatness along the way. If you have the ability to mentor someone in your life, take that opportunity. Encourage a young person in your life to further their education. Allow them to shadow you at your job if they're interested in your field. I feel it's extremely important to invest in the young people who are members of our community long before we're gone. They are truly the future. My next guest is a perfect example of what our next generation of artists are capable of being. Rotimi is a talented actor, musician, songwriter, and entrepreneur. And that's just not coming from me. Ask Jay-Z, ask Jamie Foxx, because he is here to prove that his abilities go way beyond his on-screen persona. Coming up, I talked to Rotimi about performing at the famous Apollo Theater as a kid. The advice he has for up-and-coming artists trying to navigate in the entertainment industry and how he takes nothing for granted in his career or his life. Up next, Rotimi. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is my brother from another mother. He's a multi-talented actor, R&B singer, songwriter, who's been paving his own way in the music industry. He starred in multiple TV shows and movies such as Boss, Power, Imperial Dreams, and Coming to America. He also got a new single out right now. Make sure y'all go cop that. It's called Throwback. It's sure to be the next dance anthem. It is my honor to welcome the talented and gifted Rotimi my to brother. the Man Podcast. Thank you, man. You need to do my intros all the time, man. <laughs> yeah, was, I said, yeah, I did, I, I did do that. You, you know what? I did. <laughs> yes, sir. Every hero needs his own theme music. I got you, family. Going to take time to do this. So for you, I appreciate you joining me. What was it like for you growing up in Maplewood, New Jersey with Nigerian parents? Man, so for me growing up in, in, in Jersey, man, it was, it was a blessing because it was such a melting pot. So we were, I grew up around Indians, Asians, black, white, all type of people. So I was getting ready for the world at a very, very young age. And so having Nigerian parents, you have it where their whole thing is about if you're going to do something, do it with excellence. Mm -hmm. No excuses, no complaining. If you complain, we're going to take you out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so for me, it was like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And I'm an only child. So they had me do everything in like, like I was five kids. So it was like, I played the violin, then I had basketball practice, then I had soccer practice, then I was in a children's choir, then I was in a gospel choir. So they always had me doing so many multiple things as a kid. And my mom was my first manager, and which is the funny mm, part. That's dope. Yeah, you know, so she was taking me to the hood in Newark, New Jersey, in the basement recording at 11 years old, you know, and making music. And so, 
having Nigerian parents, they most Africans don't um, they don't believe that art is a real job. Most Nigerian African parents. So their their thing is you need to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a, a dentist, you know. And so my mom was like, you know what, my son can sing. And so let me really get him moving in this in this part of his life and let me nurture this. And it was it's a very rare thing, man. It's yeah. extremely rare and it's rare your talent. Like respectfully, you my brother, but ain't too many people that can song, write, act, take their shirt off, sing, <laughs> all of that. Thanks. So I have to ask you, like, yeah. when did you first actually, and it's great that your mom was your manager and that she believed in you. That's so very dope. But when did you first discover that I want to do this for a living? All right. So it was maybe at 15. And um, I remember I had to, there was auditions to do the Apollo Theater. And so every Wednesday you would you would have there would be an amateur night every Wednesday. So I was like, Mom, I want to do it. And she was like, But the kids' category is closed. So it's only adults. And you're 15. So you have to technically be 18 to do it. And so I was like, let's just try. So the lady came and she was like, Don't tell anybody your age is going. I said, okay. And I ended up winning. And so the fact that I won, it was like, whoa. And if anybody knows about the, the, uh, the Apollo Theater, they're ready to boo you in any second. Like, no it, question. No question. It's like, we, we, we're ready. We'd rather do that. 90%, than- they want to boo the person. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I heard that first boo, and then it got quiet. And I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. And then I got, it got quiet after that. And then I was like, okay, I got him. And so I won that week. And then I won the next week. And so that's when it was like, you know what, man, I could really, really do this. And right after that, quick story, like right after that, Jay-Z's nephews lived in my town. Mm. So like the Ramel, Ravel, all of them lived in my town and they wanted to do music. So they knew I was winning the Apollo. So they were like, yo, can you join our group? But they were like, yo, listen, if you join our group, just know my our uncle, we got to go to New York every week and perform the songs we write in his living room. <laughs> I didn't know this, man. This is bro, crazy, bro. So every we were taking, we were we were driving every Saturday for about a good two three months. Every Saturday, so we write during the week after school, Friday nights, write, record the songs, and be like, all right, let's bring it to Hove's crib, and we'll go to Hove's crib, bro. So now we're sixteen, seventeen. Bro, I know. Crazy. Crazy. So I went to host crib. So he'll just be sitting like this and like, yo, what y'all got for me? And we'll be performing our hearts out. And he's just like, you know what? That was whack. Rewrite that. Wow, you sound amazing. Stage left. If you're doing this part of the song, be on the left side because you can get crowd interaction. It was like school. It was school. So for three months, he'll come to us and just be like, all right, so evaluate. This is, this is. This is what you need to work on. This is where you're great at. This is what you need to work on. So I took that and it's propelled me for, for, the, for where I'm at now. But like having his confidence at a young age, man, and just the access to greatness and see, thinking and seeing how greatness thought, you know, how to actually do it. It was like a, a gift, man, a blessing. So like, wow, this, this is just mind blowing. So being on the Apollo and winning the Apollo and then auditioning for Jay-Z each Saturday for multiple weeks. I have so many follow-up questions, but I have to ask you, yeah. like, do you remember a couple of the songs that you performed when you were on the Apollo? I did. 
Uh, for you by Kenny Lattimore. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's classic right there. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's classic OG right there. And so, and so, what was it like for you as a young performer? Like when I see you, yeah, like I see like Jamie Fox, like broke down a barrier for people putting people in a box to be able to do everything. So, yeah. is that somebody you look for as a, as inspiration? Bro, let me tell. Uh, let me explain. I got so many stories that it's just all right. So, when I was filming the TV show Boss, um, it was my first audition. I booked my first audition, so I was new to the whole acting thing. It wasn't. It wasn't a plan of mine to be an actor. It was always music, but I was a broke college kid, graduated from Northwestern, had no money. So my manager at the time was like, "Look, man, like, just get a commercial." So I booked Boss. I, if we want to talk about that, I, I'll tell that too. But I booked Boss. And after season one, we got so many acclaims. Like we won a Golden Globe. Kelsey Grammer won something for it. He was killing, you know. And I remember we, it was a Golden Globe party. And during this time, this is when Jamie Foxx was shooting Django. So we're in the club. So <laughs> I hadn't met any superstar celebrity, not yet at this point in my life. So... I'm in the club and somebody's tapping me on my shoulder. He's like, yo, I appreciate your work. I said, okay. I looked, I said, oh, okay, appreciate you. Mind you, the dude had a little dirty, dirty beard with a scully on. I was like, who let this guy in here? So that was my first, that was my first thought. I'm like, who the hell let this in so then, so then he tapped me again and he was like, nah, man, I'm telling you, like, you got it, bro. You know, I was like, I thank you, bro. Thank you. Taps me again, and he, I was like, man, what's up, bro? And he's like, look, look at me. And it was Jamie. It was Jamie. And he was like, he was like, oh, shit, bro. I, I, I forgot, I forgot, man. My fault. <laughs> he was in I, character. Yeah, yeah. Like, I forgot, I forgot. And I was like, dude, you are like somebody. So we had a whole conversation. And the whole time I'm thinking, damn, I almost blew off Jamie Foxx. But he was like, man, yo, how long are you in town for? I said, I'm here for uh I'm here for two more, three more days. He said, Yo, come watch the playoff game in my house, man. Like, let's, I want to pick your brain and learn. So I go to his crib and he's asking, So what else do you love? I said, Well, I, I do music. He was like, come to the studio, let me hear some joints. So I played him the records, and after the second record, he stopped and he said, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you, oh, you, you me. And that and, yeah, he was like, You me. He's like, you take acting classes? I said, no. Nah. He said, me neither. He said, you do this? I said, no. Nah. He said, me neither. He said, you do this? So it was like, oh, I got to be your big brother. And ever since then, he's been my mentor. So really? Yeah. So that was the first, ironically, that's the first person that showed love in Hollywood and is still like my, my big brother today. I love Jamie and I've known him for a long time. I've been to his career, played basketball at his career, yeah. broke bread with him. Like, that's, that's, and the reason why I brought him up, yeah, like him, you remind me of him uh, because it ain't too many people that can like do all of those things and be very successful at it. And as you know, there's so many young people that look like us. Yeah. They want to be actors. They want to be entertainers. They want to be in music. Yeah. So can you describe to them your work ethic? When you pick up a role, what is it like for you when you get a role? How do you immerse yourself in a role? I can equate it to getting the script and 
reading it over and over and over again until it's now my second breath. Like I can look at you and listen to you. And while I'm listening to you, I'm saying the lines in my head and still concentrate on what you're saying. Like that, that is literally embedded in my mind. And so it's to the point where sometimes my girl be like, yo, put it down. Like, so you need to break. Like, didn't they say 20 seconds on, 20 minutes off, 20 Like I was on it to the point where it's like, I want it to be so embedded in me that the next level is adding the personality, adding the character choice, adding this. So now when I try to do it, it's I'm not thinking. I'm just now um, putting vibes to it. And I can play any way because I'm so comfortable with the, with the words. So for me, my process is before adding anything in terms of what you think the person is, what you think, get the word, get the language, embody it know it top to bottom, you know, it'll be to the point where my girl would say, um, she'll read a line of whatever other person's in the scene randomly. It could be randomly at any, any, any point of the script. And I'll know what my line is to counter that. You get what I'm saying? So like, that's the work. And then now that now the gift work, now the talent comes in where, okay, well, I wonder what this person was thinking when he was this and that. Okay. What's the backstory before before they got to this scene, let me create a story behind. You can now play and be go any type of which way you want. So that's what I realized that worked for me. That's great advice because as somebody that's gotten the opportunity to like appear in movies, to appear yeah. on commercials and things like that. Every time I just was in BMF, I just shot an episode that's going to be a BMF in a few weeks. Nice. I remember looking around the room thinking, I only got like three lines and I got, I'm staring at the paper. Just to you make know it. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> like ain't nobody else <laughs> like staring. At. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so like a lot of people like see what you do. Yeah. And appreciate your greatness, but drill down a little bit more on like your discipline and your work ethic. Because I remember standing there thinking yeah. I only got three lines yeah. and I'm staring at the paper and yeah. 50 other people ain't nobody got nothing in their hand. Not yeah, because by that time, it's like it's like equated to being like how y'all are ball players, right? You notice, you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing, you know you're still probably thinking about it, but you don't need the plays in front of you right when they've got to call you on a starting starting lineup. You're not looking, you know what I'm saying? You're you're ready, you loose, you know what you have to do, you're ready to apply what you've been doing. So for me. I treat learning and studying, if I have a role, I treat it like my nine to five. So I do my, my workout in the morning, I do and I go from nine to five, and that's my job. They pay me this money to work these eight hours every single day. Even if I have three lines, I would take it to where it's like, okay, maybe I got to go nine to five, but I'll do nine to one. Mm-hmm. I'll take the time to make sure that I'm not even thinking about it. I wanted it to be like, again, a second nature because the director could be like, you know, do it a little bit more sad. And then can you jump on your foot with, with your left hand out like this? Your mind, because you've been practicing it one way, if you weren't prepared, you won't be able to. Now you're fumbling on the three lines because you have just been doing it and you didn't spend that much time. So now he's like three lines. OK, do you want me to rub my head, too, when I do it? Like it gives that type of confidence. So, again, like what the greats would say in any field is like preparation prevents all type of BS, you know? And so that's why I take my pride in, in 
I realized that having that eliminates worry, anxiety, stress. That's why I can be on set and be like, yo, so tell me about your life. Right. Yeah, you know, I can and I have that mindset. So so yeah. And to everybody who's listening to Rotimi, very talented, very versatile, don't overestimate his discipline, his work ethic, his sacrifice. He said, somebody's paying me American dollars to do something. So I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to be on point. Now, what about music as a songwriter and also as an artist? Because that's a different part of your brain. Can you acknowledge what goes into that creative process? I never had the opportunity to just be an actor or be an actor just by, by my first two years, I was able to just I had to learn the craft and not do anything else. But I've never been able to just be an artist, right? And so until pandemic, but before prior to the pandemic, it was always I, I got a film at from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then I'm even though I'm dead tired, I'll make sure I get a studio session at eight o'clock to 4 a.m. Study my lines while I'm in the studio. Write my records while I'm in the studio because my time, I don't have the luxury of three, four months and just block out everything and record an album. I got to figure out what I can do, when I can do it. So for example, my label at the time said, you know, this is how we made my song in my bed. The label at the time was like, you have three days to give us a project because we can't wait any longer. I know you've been filming power at this time, but we can't wait. Went to LA. I said, my brother, I'm going to rent the studio for 72 hours. We're just going to shift and clean out. We're going to bring rides, different producers, different time. I'll probably be the only one staying up with the engineer. Let's just work. And so it goes back to work ethic and how bad you want it. And in that session, the first three, four songs we did, they weren't, they, they weren't hot. So usually if you're, they weren't what it was supposed to be. But usually at that point in time, you're like, all right, let's just start another day. I'm like, nah, let's get one more, man. And it's my, now 5 a.m. We've done three songs already. And as soon as that Fuji sample came in, nah, 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 so, oh, <laughs> oh, this is crazy. And my man was like, yo, bro, I and that's a whole different story. But like my man set it up where he was like, this is the song I was telling you about where it got to be like, there's a meeting in my bed. I was like, yo, if we do this right, bro, this could be out of here. And so did that. We're 14 hours into the session of, of recording this whole time. And again, we came up with that record, you know? And so again, it's the work ethic is the saying, I got to do, I got to do something. My back is against the wall. I have to make them know that this is what I really do. And it was all of that. And just, you know, trusting God in the process that accumulated to just the music. So again, if I can give advice to an artist, I would say, get a great team. Keep your circle small. Don't spend your bread. The first money you get might be the last big chunk of money you really get. So you get that bonus. That's where you invest. You don't put that towards nothing else. You pay your rent off or bills off for the next year or two. So you can focus without any anxiety or stress, you know? And so like, that's the advice I would give. And then the talent and put your 10,000 hours in and all that. But like, everything else around the music and the talents where we usually fail. So, you, you know, you have like a, a multifaceted ability to attract fans. And yeah. one of the ways you did was through power. As you yeah. just mentioned, your yeah. character, Dre 
I loved and you called the most hated TV villain of our generation. Absolutely. What was it like getting into the mind of a character like that? And what was it like for you when you first got the call that you received that opportunity for that role? Whew. Okay. So first, man, like I grew up with a lot of Dre's, you know? So I, I saw a lot of people with that, that didn't say much at first, but then they'll look at you and they'll be like, oh shoot, man, this is about to go bad. Or I don't know what he's thinking. Or there was a bravado of like, I look up like, damn, my homie, my homie walk like he about to go do something crazy. So I, I didn't realize I was doing character development majority of my high school because I was like, I'm gonna take this from Tyron, Eric Wright walk like that, woo woo woo, and I started like this, and then I'm a big movie watcher, and again, I haven't really gone, to, I haven't never gone to acting class, so I just trust my instincts and trust my gifts, which was what Jamie advised me to do early. He said, "Don't do all that." This trust your instinct and trust how you know people. Mm. So he was like, um, so then I did that. And then he said, but just study characters of, of movies. So I studied De Niro and Casino. You know, I saw how he moved in that. I studied De Niro and Heat. You know, there was a movie that uh, J- um, Johnny Depp did where I think he was a informant for the FBI. Um, but it was a true story. I studied that watched a lot of the godfather so i studied older older 19 early 90s late 80s movies so it's like yo how can i create a, a new age gangster like that but doesn't really have to say he's a gangster mm-hmm. you know and so and at first with power they weren't giving me a lot of lines so it was more so how can i make this memorable moment memorable that they can write something for this character mm-hmm. you know because the dre character was supposed to die the second season i was on really yeah. Really? So, it was, it so was, because of your <clears throat> creativity, yeah. you extended that character. You know, I'm a power stand. So yeah. like this, <laughs> this, this tripping me out. It was only supposed to be. Yeah, I was supposed to get thrown in the garbage. Literally, Fifty was like, he was like, bro, you you better hope you you better thank God you nice as muck because you were supposed to get thrown in the garbage episode three of season three. I, I came on on season two. So he was like, that character wasn't supposed to last. It was written that it wasn't supposed to last. And so when I came in and did what I did, he was like, they, he had a conversation with Courtney and was like, oh, no, we, we can't. We, we might have to make this baby ghost in a way. And that's when it kind of shifted and shifted and shifted. But it was, it was, yeah, man, it was, again, I, again, I tell actors, you make the best of every situation because you don't know one who's watching. And you don't know that what you bring can extend you as far as you, because they don't know. They might look at you and be like, oh, my God, this is way more than I expected. My goodness. And you might change your life that way. That is crazy, because now that I think about Dre's character, I'm like, your talent literally extended his ability to be on the show. Long time. And and that was... (laughs) That was, I, I remember I that. This, I'm like, damn, you was on a show a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, until, until the end of it, you know? Wow. And so that's what I'm saying. You never know, man. That's why you got to go hard a hundred percent at everything. If it's just three, that's why when you say those three lines, I'm like, you better go crazy in those three lines because those three lines might turn into three seasons. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so, so, and so for you, like, I know it's, 
like so many scenes and like so many moments that you can recall. But can you recall like one of your favorites from shooting power as Dre? I think one of my favorite moments was, I think the episode with Dre's mom, because now you kind of had a backstory of why he was such a savage. I love that. And I think there was a scene where they were in the closet together. He was trying to break into the house and she, he held the gun at her and she's like, I knew you were going to be this and this. And, and, and you just, the, 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 the writing in that scene was so powerful because it was the story of so many inner kids inner city kids that like, don't have guidance that have a parent that's just going to say you ain't nothing. So you start believing it, you know, he was like, you made me this way. You know, she was like, you, you in the scene, I remember she was like, you know, the, uh, you went to the neighbor's house and stole something at eight. And he was like, mom, I was eight years old and I took a lollipop. You get what I'm saying? Like, and you called me trash and this because of that. So, and so like that point was so powerful for the culture. I felt like, cause a lot of people, the reviews was like, man, like, Damn, there's a lot of Dre's out there that was that was developed from from the household, you know. And it talked about how much parenting was a big, big part of our our, our situation, man. And then, secondly, the ne- the next part, the next scene that it was that was amazing for me was, I think when um, the Tommy character had set Dre up in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Tommy or the Jimenez, Jimenez, one of them. It was. One of them. They was both there. It was both there. It was both, <laughs> it was there. both there. <laughs> and they thought it was over for Dre. You know what I mean? He's jumping out windows. I got my Rambo on. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was that was the most fun to shoot because one, it was dope and I knew how it was gonna look. But then two, it was like, damn, people are gonna lose their mind when they see this because he lives again. Yeah. What? So it was pretty, that was pretty dope, man. And that character and your personality and talent is so very inspirational and congratulations on fatherhood. Yeah. Right. Congratulations for sure. What, what has that been like and how's that changed you? Oh man. My, my motor to like be a beast. Like it opened up more of a dog in me because it's like, I got, I got to protect, provide, I got to I got to set the bar. And you know it's like it's a self evaluation as a father, man, because you see your weaknesses, like your weaknesses are exposed, you know, cuz you're like, dang, I don't want to bring I don't want to bring this to him. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's like I do this, but he shouldn't do that. So you look at yourself like, wait, let me change this about myself first. Too. <laughs> I don't want to bring this to him. Damn, I can't. Dang, you, you know, so how much of he, if this is, is he understanding? I don't want him to feel that. So it's ironing, iron sharpening iron without your child knowing he's sharpening you, you know? And so for me, it's, it's that. And then also, man, like just, just growing and knowing that I'm raising a young man. Like it's such a responsibility that, I hold so dear, man. And and it makes me just go so hard, bro. It may, and there's a different type of love, you know, like I, I for the first time in my life, I look at somebody and be like, yo, I'll, I'll die for you. Mm. Without thinking, like I'll die for you, bro. Like what you need me to do? Like they, they want arm cut, yes. easy, take it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's a different type of love. Yeah. And your single, as I mentioned, throwback is out. Make sure y'all go support that. 
Make sure y'all yeah. go support everything Rotimi's involved in. But I have to ask you, and I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. What would you say to someone that's looking to break into the entertainment industry, but unsure where to start? So, oh, that's a great question. Unsure where to start. I think if you're an artist, I think you start with learning the business first. The gift, the talent, you either got it or you don't, right? But the business is where we fail. The, t- the, the talent, within the business, you learn, okay, let me study marketing. Let me study my finances. Let me study what this contract says. Let me study what this means. Simultaneously working on your craft, but highlight the fact of the business first. Because you protect yourself. You know what I mean? I don't think people understand that. Like, you got to learn what you're jumping into. You know what I'm saying? So then simultaneously hone your craft, hone your craft, hone your craft. Make sure that, but make it just as important to study the business aspect of it and study what others have done and how they failed, how they won, how they lost, money management, music management, artist management, how the agents work. Because at the end of the day, we go into it thinking like, all these people, we, we work for these people. Correct. No, 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 no. <laughs> they work for us. Correct. You know, they, they just know that we don't know majority of the time what we're doing. Correct. We don't know our power. Yes. You get what I'm saying? So study that and then simultaneously work. And then when it's time, ooh, that's a dangerous person, man. That That's terrific advice because so many times I learned this as an athlete and now working yeah. in entertainment. When yeah. you have a manager and a, or an agent, the most important conversations about your career, you're not on the phone. Mm-hmm. So it's extremely important, like you just said, in particular, to manage your money. Yes. Because so every athlete, I've said this, spends 100% of their first contract. Well, all That's of us, crazy. I did it. Like I'm playing on my first contract. Like, yo, I need to, I need to get another contract. (laughs) (laughs) Like for real. So, so what, what, what is that like for you growing up in a situation where you had to carry the water and not be able to drop it now being in a situation where you're managing your career and you're encountering all of these relationships? Yeah. So for me, bro, like what I did, I never spent a dollar of my power money for those six seasons. Mm. I never touched it. I was, what I lived off of was the music money, like the hosting and the endorsements that I would get. But I was like, let me let all these, these coins sit for six seasons and not touch it. That don't even exist. The first thing I did when after the show, I was like, you know what? Let me get out of New York and let me just buy out, buy outright a house yeah. and build it and buy a crib that I know that I ain't got no bills. Mm-hmm. I ain't got nothing. Yeah. I just got a crib in my house of living. No doubt. If I have to sell this eventually, I can. So then now the money that I'm making, let me use this to buy another one. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So it was like, it was never thinking of, the moment, like financially, it was like, yeah, everybody expect me to be fly. Okay, cool. If I wear a white tee, you're going to be like, dang, that's probably $100, huh, bro? Correct. 
You get what I'm saying? So like the perception of it was never the thing. It's just how you carry yourself, you know? So I didn't buy my first car until maybe a year ago. Mm. I put money towards everything else. I was like, you know what? I, I do need to drive. Let's do it. You know? So like that was how I moved. I did everything for long term, for long term that like if I don't want to do anything in the next three, four years of my life, I could just sit back and be a father for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I set it up to do and make sure my kids are straight and everything. So that was what it was for me. Well, you're incredibly talented. I love and appreciate you, my brother, not only as an actor, a songwriter, an artist, a performer, as a gentleman, as a scholar. I'm going to write a column about this interview in the New York Post. And I'm going to also send you a framed copy of the article. And wow. Before I let you get out of here, though, I got a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds, presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. You ready? I'm, I'm ready, bro. Okay, hometown. You're back in Maplewood for one night. Yeah. What's the first place you're hitting up? Oh, I'm going to the pizza spot, the Trattoria. The Trattoria, Maplewood Village, the best pizza ever. I don't care what no people are, Connecticut and uh, no, New Jersey, baby. Name one musical artist you love to collaborate with in the future. Lauren Hill, because she's from my town. Oh, that's, I hear that. <laughs> Lauren, we need this to happen. I hear that. I listen to your music, fam. I hear that. I yeah. get that. That totally yeah. makes sense. Which R&B icon mm. do you draw the most inspiration from? Ooh, Celine Dion. Mm, showing them. Storytelling. So, yeah, the storytelling is her range is incredible, but and her storytelling. Yeah. And lastly, but certainly not least, and again, I appreciate you taking the time, my brother. What can we expect from you, the actor, the musician, the artist, in the future? Future. And quality movies, TV, records, albums. But if we're talking specifics, we got a new movie coming out um, produced by LeBron James. It's called House Party. We're doing the new Oh, house party. we getting breaking news on Renaissance, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> house Party? Yeah, Mav, yeah, yeah. I got Mav on text. He didn't tell me you was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, dope. Yeah, yeah. So we're we doing House Party. Um, That's and then we, dope. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And then um, we've... Uh, I, my, my record, I Do, which is a wedding record, is is the new wedding song, and it's top 10 on Billboard right now, which is a beautiful thing, man. So, um, And then I got my skincare line, Favor, Favor Skin, that's out right now. It's um, it's the minerals from the Dead Sea. It's 100% natural, so it's good for both men and women. So definitely, man, and just keep hitting them, bro. And, get, and I, I, got, I got the TV bug again, so you're going to see me on something real soon. I'm ready now. I had to take a break right. from the TV. Now is time. Love it. Love it. And make sure everybody that's out there that's getting married, make uh, sure y'all plan I do. Make sure everybody is about their skincare. Make sure y'all representing my guy, getting that favors. I need to get, I have bad skin growing up. I'm going to get it, fam. I'm gonna oh, it's, I got you. I got you. I'm going to send it to you. We don't talk about that. I need that, fam. And I appreciate God. you taking the time. All love and blessings. And we look forward to following everything you do. My G, respect, bro. Love. Yes, sir. Love. Last call. I'd like to thank my brother, Rotimi, for stopping by the podcast. I'm proud to call him a friend and so very excited 
to see what he's going to accomplish next. But the one thing that stuck out to me about my interview with my brother is how his performance on power forced, made Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and the showrunners rethink killing off his career. Dre wasn't supposed to last as long as he did. This man did such a good job and gave 100% to his role. They continued to extend Dre's story. And he grew to play a crucial part in the storyline of my favorite show, who's been on the Renaissance, man. We've had Curtis 50 Cent Jackson on the show. We've had Joseph Sakura on the show. I was at the premiere in Atlanta. Peace up, A-Town down. Dre's character was not supposed to last as long as it did. But when you put your best effort into your craft, people will notice soon enough. Rotimi is an excellent example of how that effort can really change your career. And to be honest, power would not have been the same. You know it and I know it. Go binge watch it right now. Would not have been the same without Dre. So I ask you, what is something you can be putting more effort in? It's okay to admit it. Just remember, you have the power to take yourself to the next level. So tap into your ambition because ambition is putting a ladder against the sky. I'm the Renaissance man. See you next week.